0: Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, junkie. How the heck are you today? Welcome to Slay episode number 13. Things are getting violent in the land of Slay. This episode and a couple after it, more than likely, are kind of a bloodbath. I'm sure you're very disappointed to hear that. I am getting back out on the road for a bit, starting to make appearances again. I just finished a panel at WonderCon to promote the hitherto secret experiments of Marie Curie, in which I have a short story called A Glow in the Dark. This is a crazy anthology with people writing about uh, adventures that Marie Curie had that you never heard about. Until now. It's all fictional stuff. It's pretty cool. I'm excited about my story in it. I'm also promoting that same book in San Diego at Mysterious Galaxy Books on Tuesday, April 18th at 7 p.m. I'm appearing with none other than Jonathan Mayberry himself, Joe Ledger fame, along with the book's editor, Henry Herz, and authors Stacia Douche, DeLeon, and Steve Pantazis. I don't know if I pronounced any of their names correctly, but there you go. And then on Wednesday... May 3rd at 7.30 p.m., I will be at Warwick's Bookstore in downtown Village of La Jolla, promoting the very same title. If you're in the San Diego area, and it's been a while since we said, hey, come on out to one of those events. As for the rest of y'all, we are figuring out if we can tour to support Shakedown, book one of the Crypt series, which will be out later this year. I'm pretty sure we will do something to get out on that lonely road and hopefully Shake hands with all y'all and have a couple of beers or three. Well, a couple's already two. Have a beer or two or three. That's it for now. Let me get you caught up on the story so far. And then we're all going to go ingest some harmless radium. That's a joke. Radium isn't harmless. Don't eat it. Don't sue me. Enjoy the story. Previously on Slay. Billy was trying to get answers from the Perp, But first, Big Hack showed up to spoil the party. Then, the Jerboa Shadows appeared. Several bounty hunters, including Lincoln, an unknown man with six shooters at his sides and a giant lizard on a leash, hit the Perp's neighborhood looking to cash in on a $50,000 bounty on Billy's head, a bounty set by Dante Ogunov to get revenge on Billy. Another bounty hunter, known to Lincoln as Boss Hogg, hit the neighborhood as well. While Lincoln sent Shitbird to hunt for Billy, Boss Hogg hit the 7-Eleven parking lot to talk to Butch and Money Monday, who, along with Big Hack, are members of the Rolling Outlaws gang that wants Billy to pony up five Gs. And now, episode 13 of Slay. The Shadows Moaned the shadows rattled. Lil B, what the fuck is this? Real fear in Big Hack's voice now. Fear that Billy felt as well. I don't know, Billy said, watching shadows stretch up the walls. You're asking the wrong guy. Big Hack reached to the small of his back and drew a pistol. Hippy, he said. You know what's happening? The Nerpperp used his fingertip to light a third candle in his candelabra. Jupo is man. I told you to stop talking about magic. Billy wanted to run. He'd have to go past Big Hack to get out of the alley. And the way Hack was looking left, right, up, down, his hand tight on that pistol, he might shoot if Billy moved too fast. A crunching cacophony like bricks being smashed by a steamroller. The long-eared shadows started to peel off the walls. Long, bone-thin shadow legs, dark as storm clouds, stepped into the alley. Shadow bodies followed. Skinny shadow tails swished. Six creatures, black and growing blacker, each about Billy's size, if you didn't count the long, wide ears that rose up, and back. Eyes formed, heavy spots of deep red. Mouths appeared and opened, maws of glowing orange rimmed by metallic teeth that gleamed like wet daggers. Billy felt the heat of their breath like silent hairdryers blowing his way. As if they were one, six blazing mouths let out a unified, malevolent gurgle. Big Hack aimed at one, then another, then another. Billy, Billy, make it stop, he said, his voice thinner now, a whisper of terror and confusion. Make it stop. Billy didn't know how to make it stop. And besides, he was too busy pissing his pants yet again. Nothing you can do now, man, the nerd perp said. It's got to run its course. Jerboas are always listening, man. Six creatures. Like man-sized mice standing on hind legs, made of shadow, murder mouths smelling of sulfur, ears half as long as their bodies twitching this way and that. One took a step toward Big Hack. Big Hack shot it. The bullet kicked up a dissipating swirl of inky black. The creature stepped closer. Man, fuck this, Big Hack said. He ran for the alley entrance, but made it only three steps before the shadow monsters swarmed him, their orange mouths wide, until they bit down on Big Hack. He screamed as one locked onto his gun hand. He fired once, twice, three times, each bullet ripping out of the creature with nothing more than a puff of roiling black. A creature bit down on his leg. Another on his shoulder. Still another on his ribs. As Billy watched, Big Hack started to dissolve, flesh and blood and bone, converting to living shadow. Help me! Big Hack reached out his free hand toward Billy. Help me, Billy! The hand was real for a moment, as normal as it could be. Then. The shadows spread from shoulder to elbow, from elbow to forearm, from forearm to hand. The creatures bit and chewed and swallowed shadows that had been a human being only moments before. And then, Big Hack was no more. Three sets of red eyes turned toward Billy. He couldn't move. Fear locked him to his spot as if the trash bags he sat on were concrete anchors holding him in place. The shadow creatures stepped toward him on legs so thin they didn't look strong enough to hold up the bodies. Orange mouths opened. Billy saw his own terrified reflection on a hundred saliva streaked steel teeth. Billy trembled, because that was all he could do. The mouths came closer their heat chasing away the morning's chill. He heard the nerp perp's voice. Stay real still, man. The mouths came closer. Billy wondered how much it hurt to be turned into shadow and ripped into pieces by those cruel teeth. He closed his eyes and waited for the end. The heat faded away. He felt the morning cold on his face. Billy opened one eye. The creatures were gone. Oh, wow, man, the nerd perp said. That was a trip. I thought you were gonersville, man. You were the one talking, and you're pretty dry. I wonder why they didn't take you. There's something different about you, man. Was it over? Or was this some kind of a trick? Were the creatures coming back? I gotta get out of here, Billy said. That's a good idea, man. I mean, no offense, but the way you shoot your mouth off, I don't want you around me, man. You dig? Billy awkwardly pushed off the trash bags and stood. Cops will come, he said. Even in this neighborhood, they'll come when people report gunshots. No one will report anything, man. When Jerboas show up, no one hears anything except the people they're checking out. You dig? Billy did not dig. Not one bit. He wanted to go home. Go home and clean up. Go home and change out of his piss-soaked pants. Billy started down the alley, but stopped when a man stepped into the entrance, a man walking a big dog. Hello there, the man said. I'm looking for someone named Lil B. Might that be you?
1: In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
0: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Look at this antebellum pimp motherfucker right here, Money Monday said. Is that a satin bow tie? He looks like he stepped straight off a plantation. Butch watched the whitest man he'd ever seen walk their way. White suit, white cowboy hat, white boots. Bleach white, like he was a pitch man in a detergent commercial. White face, too. So pale, he looked like he'd hidden away from sunlight his entire life. "'Howdy, boys,' the man said. "'I say, I say, I'm looking for a fella might be from these here parts.'" a deep southern growl, to go with the big-ass white truck and the white clothes. The man was like a cartoon character come to life. He also looked like he could handle his business. A big old glass of whole milk, walking around tall and proud in this neighborhood, and he wasn't scared in the least. The man had arrived with two others, a brother and a Latino with a scorpion tattooed on his right cheek. Those two were talking to everyone around, showing a picture of someone on iPads, like cops might, only they weren't cops. You send your boys out to talk to the riffraff, but you came straight to us, Butch said. Why us? The man smiled. Just like everything else about him, his teeth were too white. Well, you never know who might have info, or what info you might get if you ask around, so you know you gotta be thorough the man said. But as soon as I laid eyes on you boys holding down the fort here in the 7-Eleven parking lot, I knew who ran the show around here. Genuine respect. Not much of it granted, but respect all the same. The name is Hog, the man said. I got a drawing of who I'm looking for. A drawing? The other two had those iPads. That was weird. Let me see. Butch said, although he already had a hunch who this man might be after. The man slowly, politely opened his white jacket. White satin on the inside to match the vest and the bow tie. A white leather shoulder holster holding a white handgun. A 45, maybe. The man slowly reached toward it. Money Monday's hand shot to the hilt of his own pistol Jammed into his belt line. Butch moved his hand slightly, extended his fingers, silently telling Money to stop. The uh, picture is in my pocket, the man said. Butch nodded. The man reached into his jacket pocket, came out with a piece of paper about the size of his hand. In any other situation, Butch would have said that the paper was white, but compared to the man's outfit, it looked yellowish. "'Goes by the name Lil B,' the man held up the paper. On it, a sketch of the face of Billy Middleton. "'Y'all know him!' "'As a matter of fact, I do,' Butch said. "'He owes me money. "'I have a feeling if you find him first, "'I won't get that money.' Hogg put the sketch back in his jacket pocket. He did so slowly nodding once, graciously, to Money Monday, as he did. Well then, the man said, looks like we have a mutual interest in this here fella. Now, we could be at odds with each other about this, but that only damages one side or the other, and most often times both. I'd rather play nice together, and we both get something out of it. I say, I say, time is of the essence here, so let's make a deal. Lil B's money was important, but his contacts mattered far more. Butch was ready to move up in the world. Whitey Hog here might help that cause far better than Billy ever could. Make me an offer, Butch said. Compared to drug-dealing orcs, tracksuit-wearing ogres cloak-clad murderers, and big-eared shadow monsters biting people into smoke niblets and gulping them down, a man and his dog, even though it was a big dog, shouldn't seem like that much of a threat. And yet, Billy's survival alarm, which had served him well his entire life, was blaring away, full blast. You said, uh, Lilby? Billy shook his head. Nope, that don't ring any bells. It's a dumb nickname, if you ask me. The dog growled low. My name is Pragman. The man gave the leash a little flip. This is my hound, Honeydew. Now, Billy was no expert on dogs, but that one didn't look like a hound. Didn't look like any breed he knew of. Maybe a bull mastiff, but bigger. Thicker head, wider neck, more muscle. Lil' B, the nerp purp said. No, man. I don't know anyone by that name. I can't help you, man. The perp didn't sound as frightened as he had before the Jerboa thing showed up and tore Big Hack into bits, but he didn't sound relaxed either. I see, Pragman said. And who are you? I'm the NERP perp, man. I mean, I don't want no trouble. And just so you know, man, I'm under Kalista's protection. Pragman nodded understood. You might want to rethink that relationship. I doubt her protection will amount to much pretty soon. He looked at Billy. And who might you be? Al Johnson, Billy said. I know, I know, boring name, right? But it's better than Aloysius, though. I mean, that's what my mom named me. It's like she might as well send me to school with a note pinned to my chest that said, whip this nerd's ass. You know what I mean? We moved when I was 10. That's when I told people my name was Al. I still got whooped, though, but not as much. And Honeydew growled again, louder this time. She doesn't like your face, Pragman said. He reached into a jacket pocket, pulled out a scrap of paper. He glanced at it, then up at Billy. And I don't like your face, either. Billy felt a shiver wash across his skin. A crawling tingle. The same thing he had felt after doing that dab of nurple. The air around Pragman and the dog seemed to waver like heat-off blacktop on a hot summer day. In that wavering haze, Billy saw Pragman had holsters strapped to his thighs big wooden pistol handles curving out of them. And the dog? It looked like a stubby-snouted, longer-legged, muscle-bound alligator. I'm afraid I need to make this quick. Pragman drew a pistol, hip-aimed it at Billy. It looked like something straight out of a Western movie. There's too much competition around here to waste time. But I'll tell you this, Lil' B., Dante Oganov sends his regards. Billy felt his bladder trying to squeeze out more fear pee, but all he had was still spreading across his pants, cold and clammy in the chill morning air. Dante had sent Pragman. This was bad. Maybe even worse than the goddamn shade monsters and their red eyes and their orange mouths and their metal teeth. I, I got money, Billy said, already knowing it wouldn't do any good, already knowing that he was dead. Pragman's eyes narrowed. How much? Billy tried to speak, but he couldn't, and he couldn't take his eyes off the dark circle that was the end of the pistol barrel. Forget it, Pragman said. Time's up, Lil B. Billy heard the hard flapping Of bird wings. Pissed his pants again! Pissed his pants again! A thumm sound, like someone smacking a muted snare drum. In the same instant, a clang of metal on metal. The pistol flew out of Pragman's hand. Billy saw something thin and black spinning through the air away down the alley, saw it clatter on the dirty concrete. It was a short arrow. Leave the other shooter in its holster, a voice called out. Billy knew that voice. He'd heard it in the warehouse, just before Joe got the top of his skull blown open. Pragman dropped the leash. His hand hovered near the hilt of his remaining pistol. The dog-gator thing's muscles bunched and twitched. It looked up, head dropping as it tracked something coming down from above. With barely a sound, a gray shape fell onto the alley floor. It was a man wearing a cloak. He stood. It was the psycho who had killed Joe. Wavering, flowing black shade covered his eyes. He held a wicked-looking hatchet in his right hand. Far out, man, the nerd Perp said. The man in gray twirled the hatchet once, twice. You can release that hound if you want to, he said. And or you can draw that pea shooter. Maybe you'll take me out. If you do, the bounty's yours. But I gotta warn you, if you try me, I will cut you down. We have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon. And